NZR Sports, Icarus Canopies, now Gyro. That's right, we've rebranded, and Gyro is our next generation. It honours our founder, as that's the name we knew him by, but Gyro also marks the start of a new chapter. And not to be biased, but it's going to be fucking epic. Long story short, we're more us than ever. So if you're new to the sport, or even a Sky God Ninja Turtle, welcome. I think our valiant leader Lucy, Gyro's daughter, says it best. And we still got that fuck your attitude. <laughs> Rebrand! Woo! Rebrand woo indeed, Lucy. Anyway, head over to gyro.com for more info and get amongst your legends. I was 19, broke, unemployed, and sold my girlfriend's canopy for drug money. So, I thought I'd better sew her a new one. What a sentence, and what a story. This describes the humble yet outrageous beginnings of NZ Aerosports, the home of Icarus Canopies, in the words of our founder himself. From getting a paratrooper toy from his mom, watching parachutes at the DZ as a six-year-old, jumping off the wharf with a parachute made from bedsheets, doing his first jump at 16, sewing his first canopy on a borrowed machine at 19, and starting to sell parachutes out of a garage in 1986, Paul Gyro Martin had an undying love for the sky. Our company started with one man with the wildest of spirits in a true blue sky dream, a renegade. In the time that Gyro created and ran the Icarus Canopies brand until he passed away in 2017, he pushed everything he had to its limits. We miss him and we always will. Gyro is the next generation of NZ Aerosports. It honors our founder, of course, because it was the name we all knew him by, but Gyro the rebrand also marks the start of a new chapter, our next jump. Gyro is the space between sound and silence, art and science, chaos and calm. Gyro is a state of epic tranquility that transcends understanding. That moment, in the door, in free fall, mid-swoop, where nothing but the present exists. A perfect balance of euphoria and thrill. Gyro captures our passion for flying and our commitment to designing break-the-fucking-rules canopies that deliver pilots pure, wild flight. Hey gang, so I got a new book out. It's called The Upside of Fear, and it's exactly what you think it's about. It's about the good side of, well getting scared. In it, we talk not only about the science and biology behind fear, but the psychology as well. And it's not just coming from me, it's coming from some of the best in the sport. Omar Alhijalan, Jeff Provenzano, Maxine Tate, and so many more have contributed their sometimes terrifying stories to the book to help you overcome your fear. So head to the lunaticfringepodcast.com. You're going to find the link to the book there as well as the other books. It's available in ebook, paperback, hardback, and audiobook right now. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for another edition of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast. It's the first time I've had this motherfucker on Zoom before. You're always sitting in front of me, man. This is... <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this. But, hey... Being, who, ha who, being half who, a world apart. Yeah, right, man? So, tell them, who the fuck are you and what do you do? I'm a frequent on the on the podcast. This is Junior, David Junior Ludwig. And uh, I guess now I can consider myself a, 
I don't know. I guess I'm a military contractor of sorts. <laughs> yeah, man. Still, still, uh, still fucking busy at it. But, uh, dude, you were podcast number one almost five years ago. Has it been that long? It's been that fucking long, dude. I'm coming up on 300 episodes. That's awesome. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. That went so quick. It did go quick. 300 episodes went by really fast. Yeah, man. And I mean, that very first one where it was just um, the the flannel blankets taped to the walls of my bathroom <laughs> so that you and I weren't. <laughs> we basically, we basically yeah, I think you were sitting on the shitter. I was. I was. Yeah, you, I was, you were sitting on the shitter and I had a chair and we were in this in a tiny bathroom together. I, yeah, wrapped in black. <laughs> I think we basically it was not much fancier than having a blanket over our heads and a microphone in between us. <laughs> that's about it. Oh, uh, I love well, yeah. And dude, setting that's... and setting our setting our glasses of wine on the on the, on the sink. <laughs> on the toilet in the sink. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, I we, we it's it's amazing how many times we've gotten drunk together in a bathroom. <laughs> that is true. It is. I mean, we killed Moss in one of the episodes. Ah, uh, two. Yeah. I killed him in two. <laughs> so hey, catch everybody up for those that haven't heard your episodes before. Um Tell me the the your origin story in skydiving. Origin story. Um, I started skydiving about twenty six years ago. Um, was a student pilot, learning how to fly. Uh, went out with some friends in college, out to a a drop zone that, as a student pilot, I landed at once and swore I would never jump at, but wound up changing my life forever. Um, started to jump, got my dad into it. Uh, we jumped together for, until he passed away in 2003 of a skydiving accident at the world free fall convention. And then, uh, just kind of found my way in the sport for sure. Well, I so, landed my ass out in Dubai with you. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. I mean, well, so you, you jumped, you jumped with your dad, he passed away. You made the decision to keep on jumping and not just keep jumping, but you made, I'm assuming a conscious decision at some point to start working in the sport. When did that come about? Um, that came about, I guess a couple of years after, after the towers went down it, and aviation industry kind of took a, shit. a turn for the worse for, yeah, it took a shit for a couple of years. And uh, I was working for spirit airlines at the time and they had, laid me off because I was the last one in my department. So, I mean, that's other than other places, you know, last in first out kind of thing. Oh yeah. Um, and I started working for a small charter airline was doing that. And then just decided that as I was jumping, I wanted to, I don't know, kind of find a way to offset the cost of skydiving. So I started packing and I started instructing. And, uh, when I got laid off from, from my my airline job i was like you know what screw it i've got my i got my tandem rating i'll i'll go through you know chuck a bunch of drogues for the for the summer and see how things go and sure never look back so uh when you, you got your tandem rating before anything else uh, i was a coach well i was i went through the bic i was i was like the first of the bic to coach kind of transition when they kind of swapped those around yeah and then i got my static line instructor rating and I was throwing dopes on a rope, and then I got my tandem rating. But still, pretty early on in in your time in the sport. Oh yeah, I mean, I was I was a tandem instructor. I started in '98. Uh, I had my tandem rating in 2002. 
So like right at the at the minimum that you could have because you what did what did you have to have how many years in the sport five hundred jumps uh, in- three three years three years in the sport five hundred jumps and I had five hundred and one jumps when I went through the course. <laughs> Man, I was exactly the opposite because I was like, "Fuck you!" If I'm doing tandems, I don't want to do that shit. <laughs> Dude, I was so scared of it because that was, I mean, it was all the the old vector tandem rigs where you're hanging off of your ass and the the F-111 tandem yep. canopies. Oh, The 421s. Man. That's what I started on. 360s, 421s, and 500s. And both you and me have the fucking uh, uh, fucked up joints to prove it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh man oh man oh man speaking of before we get too far into it health-wise how you doing because i mean you were going to slow down for a while and then you just got busier yeah um i mean i slowed down for a little while um post-covid i was taking my time as i was recovering from sure my second shoulder surgery and uh i don't know I what mean, you're I, talking about I, yeah I, I slowed down and then i you know sped back up again i, I you know kind of fell in pun intended, fell into another, you know, awesome opportunity and just kind of ran with it. Sure. Well, so, um, again, going back and forth, you, you got your tandem rating, you're jumping in the sport and you were competing as well, but what took you out to, uh, to Dubai? Um, it was just a, a time in my life. I, I kind of needed a change and, and, uh, you know, good buddy of mine, Noah Bonson, um, was already out in Dubai. He'd been out there for the season before. He's like, listen, man, he goes, you're, you're getting stagnant where you are. He's like, they're hiring out in Dubai, put in your, your resume and, you know, let's see what happens. So I sent him my resume over on a, I don't know, a Saturday, a Sunday. I got a, a message back saying that I had a interview on Monday through Skype. And on Tuesday I was hired. <laughs> Crazy, right? Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. And then I just had to wait until uh, the season started back up over in Dubai. So I was out there for the beginning of the season. Now, what year was that? 2012. So you must have only been there for, what, a few months before me? I was there for a few months before you. Because, I mean, we both, we were both lucky, right? We got there kind of at the end of the golden age, but we still got like a good say, taste of it. Yeah, I like to say that I was there at the the end of the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Whenever, whenever, when everybody asked, they're like, like, well, when you were there, I was like, I was there at the end of the beginning because we still had the the days that, you know, the drop zone would just get randomly shut down because we had a Formula One race in Abu Dhabi and we were going to go down there and and be on one of the yachts to watch it, or or they were going to have the Formula One car on the fucking runway, or. Right. Somebody saw a cloud five miles away and decided to call it for weather. Yeah, or you know, some VIPs were going to come out and 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 do a jump, and everybody else needed to leave the right. Well, so drop zone. I mean, I I remember uh, uh, getting there, and uh, uh, Heath Haley was still the chief pilot at the time, and he picked me up from the airport and dropped me off at the drop zone condo um, that I was staying in by myself while I acclimated gave me the keys to a car and said get some rest and call me in a week and just like left me there to (laughs) like check shit out he's like dude you're gonna be exhausted for a week so you just relax and and then next thing you know i'm getting measured for a jumpsuit and swoop shorts and a rig and all this stuff and i'm like but i'm i got hired as a pilot yep 
it was yeah, crazy, I mean, I right? Should, I remember I, I I left the day after my birthday, and I landed into into Dubai. I got picked up. I had problems going through customs because there was an issue with my visa. And about two hours later, when I finally came out of the airport, the driver was waiting for me. He took me to. At that time, we had um, we were in a hotel, so they put me in the hotel. I stayed there for. I think I wasn't even there a full day, and I got a phone call. Hey, uh, what hotel are you at? I'm like, I'm at the the Ibis by wherever I was. He's like, all right, I'll be there in 20 minutes. Have your jumpsuit and helmet. Uh, What's going on? And it was Noah picking me up to go to Highness's private tunnel to the tunnel fly for for two and a half, three hours. And it was that's when I met Naomi for the first time. So it was me, Naomi, Cornelia, who wound up becoming my teammate later on. Yeah. And Noah and the four of us just went and shredded for two hours all by ourselves in the tunnel. That was crazy, right? Yeah. I yeah, mean, I was, and it was like, welcome to Dubai. I'm like, oh, OK. That, that was kind of my first introduction, too, is is I forget who invited me the first time. But, of course, back then, all Scott of Dubai staff had uh, free flights in Highness's tunnel. You just had to show up. And if people were there, you waited your turn in line, basically. Um, and uh, I remember going there and you walk into the tunnel and there's a couple of people that work there that are like putting out finger sandwiches and making cappuccinos. And you got these plush sofas to relax on while people are flying. And it Freshly was <laughs> all that shit. And you're like, what the f- fuck dude this is not this is not what i'm used to this is bizarre and you know of course all of a sudden then you're you're um uh, flying there and you're in the family's private gym which was i mean come on that gym was like they took five golds gyms and put them together yep so i got lucky enough to go at some point i think it was my first year actually working there um they had what was um, blue collar was the was a VFS team and it was Naomi, Kenny, Vitor, Brad Cole and Brad Cole had hurt his back I believe so they needed somebody to fill in and they grabbed me and I started flying with them and we would go we'd wake up on two days a week we'd go to the tunnel at like six a.m. we'd fly for two hours and that's when like you know. Um, nexus was coming in and, and training as well so we'd get out nexus would get in we'd go over to the private gym and steam room and all the rest of that stuff work out for an hour shower get changed and then go to the palm because our start time was a whopping 11 a.m and we'd show up at 10 30 and go jump all you know five six jumps a day and then go back to the tunnel that night to go fly for free. Oh man. Those were, they were such fun, lazy days. And it was kind of funny because, and maybe you feel the same way. I got there late enough in the game that I was so shocked and amazed with all the amazing cool shit that I was getting to do that as some of those things stopped happening, I wasn't uh, pissed off that I couldn't go fly for free in the tunnel anymore. I was thankful that I had just spent eight months or almost a year getting free tunnel time and all this shit, you know? So I kind of feel like I came at the perfect time because I didn't feel like things were being taken away from me. No, I mean, all the way up until the day that I left uh, almost 10 years later, I was grateful for the time I had there. Oh yeah. I was grateful that I, that I came when I came 
I wish I would have probably left a little bit sooner. Um, sure. while before there was any kind of bitterness from how things had changed so drastically. Sure. Especially, especially, I wish I would have left pre-COVID. Yeah. Because I think when, when everything came back after COVID is when it, things were really, had really changed. And I wish I'd, I would have left and come back a little bit sooner just to, to have some, to have all of the fond memories and have none of the. Sure. Like, you know, it, I, either, no matter what, it was, it was a blast. And, and I, and I'm thankful for all that time that I had there and the oh, amazing opportunities. Too. Me too. It's it's kind of funny because, and I'm sure you get the same thing too. In talking to people that uh, um, uh, either left after me or are still there, everybody says, "Oh, you left for you. You left at the absolute perfect time because it's not what it was for you." You know, and there are people. Don't right. get me wrong. There are people that are that are still absolutely loving it. And from an instructor's point of view, Dubai is still a pretty fucking great place to be. Uh, it just 100%. changed. It changed a lot more than I changed. I guess, you know, which is fine. You know, it's, um, it's not my cup of tea anymore, but God damn, it was one hell of a ride. Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Some of the stuff we got to do. Incredible. What's the weirdest thing you saw in Dubai? (laughs) It's a long list, right? It's a long list. I would probably say the weirdest thing I saw. It's a long list. Driving down the highway next to a pickup truck that had just kind of like the extenders on the, on the, on the back, the, the, the truck bed. Right. They had like these, these extenders that went up, but it's, I'm talking like a normal, like Ford Ranger Chevy S 10 size truck with a camel in it. Yep. Like the camel was, was much bigger than the vehicle was getting (laughs) rode around in that one or um, sitting down in in JBR on a weekend evening, having dinner and seeing like a Mercedes with a monkey on a leash running around on top of the Mercedes as they were driving down the road. Right. Yeah. But, you know, how strange is it, though, that looking back on it at the time, although it was interesting, it didn't seem that weird after a while. No, not at all. I mean, I had to take uh, um, an orangutan on a flight. I was on that. I was on one of the flights that had the orangutan. Did you? Yes. Oh man, Tango, Tango, the orangutan. Tango in the uh, in the polo shirts with the pop collar and the gelled hair. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or there's a the, there's a picture with Max Brafal and I holding that that orangutan, and the orangutan is sucking the air coming in th- from the vent in the otter. <laughs> <laughs> It was the day that I'm the day that I met Tango was the weirdest thing ever. I I don't normally uh, eat bananas. I just don't. It's not it's not. I mean, they're good, but it's just not a thing. And that particular day, for some reason, I had taken a banana to work and I had it in my back pocket because I was pre-flighting the Twin Otter. And I was the only one in the hangar at the moment. And the entrance door opens up. And um, for anybody that doesn't know what this hangar looks like, it's massive. You could fit a 737 in this hangar. It's that big. Uh, And the door on the far side of the hangar opens up. And I see what looks like an adult man holding a kid. And when (laughs) when the lights coming in the door, I can't really see. It's kind of glaring. And as the the door still open, I see him put the kid down on the ground, and then the kid, to from my perspective, starts sprinting towards me. 
And I'm like, maybe do I know this kid? And then the door closes and I see that it's an orangutan and not quite a full sprint towards me, gets close enough to me, jumps up with his arms around my neck and legs around my waist and just sits there looking at me. And I don't realize that little fucker is pickpocketing the banana that's <laughs> in my back pocket. And then I get introduced to his handler and I'm told, hey, uh, you're going to be flying to this location and uh, um, Tango's coming with you. And I'm like, what? And the next thing you know, I find myself alone in the cockpit of a twin otter, barefoot as always, over the middle of the Persian Gulf with an orangutan in the backseat. <laughs> yep. That's yeah, a weird. I've for, forgotten all about Tango. <laughs> yeah, that would have been another one of those. Yeah, that's a weird day. Well, the other one um, you and I had, without going into details about why we were at a very solemn, um, um, uh, we were at, we were at a funeral for for uh, um, uh, an yes. important an important person over there, and all of us had to to go and and uh, um, observe that last day of mourning, and that was also a, a very unusual and very kind of humbling experience it was it was a very humbling experience right and i think it was you me and and uh billy Sharman were sitting in the in the bus as we were as we we're coming back and we looked at each other we're like this just doesn't seem right no no all, and all of us dressed in suits and ties and we're like we're a yeah. bunch of fucking dirtbag skydivers what in the hell just happened yeah. bizarre to, bizarre to be at to be at that place at that time, it was it was uh, very interesting. Well, and you too, as an instructor, you got to work um, side by side and and instruct and work with a, a lot of very um, upper echelon people from the region. Which was that intimidating, yeah. or did the instructor side of you just kick in and you're like, "This is just another person I got to teach." It, instructor just kicks in, a hundred percent. Like you get a little bit of the wow factor, like, "Oh wow, this this person is." this or that whatever it is you know yeah okay i've seen you on on tv or right you know yeah i've watched your movies or listened to your records or whatever it may be or it may just be somebody that's you know like a a v vip from the from the region so to speak sure um but yeah i mean just just as, as usual well, that was always kind of the the weird thing uh, uh, sitting up front, too, is, of course, uh, we had special call signs that our aircraft would become when we had members of the royal family on the plane. Uh, yep. And air traffic control, as soon as you said that you were an alpha flight, whatever the hell you wanted, you got to do. Uh, and that was always a weird thing, too, because, of course, you're used to having to take cues from air traffic control. And all of a sudden they're like, dude, <laughs> you can go wherever the fuck you want. Uh, do whatever you need to do. Get it done. Yeah. And it's very convenient that or funny, however you want to say it, that all of a sudden A380s are getting vectored out of your airspace <laughs> oh man you know that was that was as a from a pilot's perspective for anybody listening that flies planes we were flying uh, at a drop zone that um quite frankly it's it would be like having an incredibly busy drop zone in the middle of central park um because you yeah. got airspace on almost every side we're restricted to airspace you got high rises that run the length of one side and the open uh you know sea to the other side um and 
they actually built the airspace for the drop zone so that the incoming heavy traffic had to go around us. Yep. It was amazing. It was, it was pretty cool. It was really cool. That's still as far as as far as drop zones, that's still one of the will always rank up there as one of the coolest drop zones to jump next to. Oh yeah, dude, with the like, high rises and all that stuff and and uh, um just the the uh, amount of really cool shit that we got to do and see. I mean, like the World Air Games and everything that went down for that. Oh, yeah, man, oh man. It was it was interesting showing up there. I mean, I think when I got out there, I had maybe twelve thousand jumps somewhere in that area, and I, I remember showing up, and I'm like, like, you want me to do a hop and pop, hey. like just so I can get it? Like, I'm like, I just. You know, a week before I just got done doing like a hundred jumps in, in two weeks, you know, it was super busy where at my, at my home job zone before I left, I'm like I was doing 10 jumps a day for whatever it's like, you really want me to do? Okay, fine. I'll go do my hop and pop. And I remember opening up and I was just staring at the buildings <laughs> and I was in awe of my surroundings and I'm like, well, oh shit, I got to land. Yeah. And complete, I'm like, and it, and it literally kicked in at that point. I was like, I was like. Yeah, there's a reason why you do a hop and pop there for the <laughs> yeah. first jump. Because yeah. it is it is a it is a, an amazing like it's a sensory overload when you when you're doing your turn to land and you're turning towards these thirteen hundred foot tall buildings as you're as you're finishing like like these buildings are like at my turn height. <laughs> yeah, man. Crazy. Totally crazy. It's, it's funny that you bring that story up. Cause uh, um, when I started jumping there, my very first jump back was of course with you. Yep. <laughs> On borrowed gear. And do you remember we're getting ready to go? And it was during um, the world. I think it was during the world air games. Wasn't it? It was during WAG. It was during the, one of the, the, um, was it not it was during it... the world? Was it World it, Championship? No, it was World Air Games. So it was the Dubai International Parachuting Championships, the DIPCs. No, 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 it wasn't the DIPC. It was the WAG. I remember for oh, sure. Oh, it was the WAG. Yeah, it was WAG. Okay. I remember for sure because the pilots ended up flying a lot less than we thought we would. We thought we were going to be dramatically busier, and we ended up with a shitload of downtime. And I don't remember how it came up, but you were like, dude, let's go make a jump. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Me skydive? Holy shit. Okay. <laughs> and I don't even I think I grabbed one of the the rental rigs and who was it that was running ground control and they were like, "But you're supposed to do a hop and pop." And you vouched for me. You're like, "He's fucking fine. He's got like fucking 12,000 jumps. It's going to be fine." And he's like, "Are you going to be okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely." So I got no briefing of the drop zone, no nothing. <laughs> we didn't even land at the drop zone. We landed on the on the palm. Yeah, yeah, that one we landed at the Palm, but then we were able to land later on at the um at the Palm instead of on the Palm. We were able to land at the landing yeah. area, and I landed in the Swoopers landing area on a 150. And they're like, <laughs> "Really, you fucking dickhead!" Yeah. I'm like, "Hey, if you can't count on a pilot to fuck things up, who's gonna do it?" <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that was fun stuff, man. I mean, but uh, we had so many memorable uh, uh, projects and jumps and some of the stuff that you got yeah. to do as well. Like you did a part of the dream jump off the uh, Princess Tower, didn't you? Yep, I was um, I was helping uh, helping those guys. I was packing for most of it. And um, Alan was like, you know, he's like, if you want to make a couple of jumps, you can. He's like, as long as the, the rigs are getting packed. And, you know, they had contracted me to help out with it just as, 
being a base jumper just to help keep like Noah, Julian, the Red Bull guys, Fred and Vince, like keep keep them packed up. And they're like, yeah, you can do it. Like, you know, first one, just go off normal, regular, whatever. And then I was like, you want to, you know, throw a gain or something like that. He's like, I'm not going to say anything. So it was cool. Like I got to jump off the building, throw a gainer as I'm going down past all these balconies and then, you know, out up over the, the marina area and landed. And it was a, a first of, of quite a few jumps I got to do legally. legally yeah. Legal jumps off, off of a, you know, 1,200 foot tall building. <laughs> well, not only did they have that massive zip line off of that thing, but they also built a, a basically a huge platform slash diving board for you guys. Yep. It was, I remember hearing about it. And of course, me not being a base jumper, I didn't dig into it too much, but I lived two buildings down. And that was when I was running quite a bit in the marina area. And I remember going out for a run and hearing the familiar crack of a parachute right over my head and going, oh, fuck, that's right. They're doing the base jumping shit. Cut to three days later, everybody is still jumping so hardcore that I'm not even looking up anymore when I hear the parachutes as I'm out for my run because they were jumping so much. It was awesome. They had, they had to, to, they hired on some of the police, you know, so that we had, obviously we had, we had medics standing by, we had the police stopping traffic for us. So we would land and the police would stop traffic, high five us as we were running across, you know, what, what was it there? Six, six lanes of traffic. Yeah. Six or eight lanes. Six or eight lanes. We're running across high five and the cops running in hitting the button on the elevator and going a hundred stories up, yep. <laughs> getting out, dropping gear, grabbing gear, running up three flights of stairs out to the, to like the pinnacle area around the top of the princess tower, climbing up. We're like, all right, are we good to go? Yeah, you're good to go. Okay. <laughs> Hopping up one at a time or, or three at a time or whatever up, up on the platform and just hucking ourselves off. It was awesome. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, and that was one of so many different really cool events. Like one of the really cool things I got to do as a pilot was again, during world air games, they had the, uh, the demo team in the extras. Remember that you've got the Dubai, um, the Dubai aircraft demo, uh, airplane flown by, I can't remember his name. Zoltan. 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 Um, yes. he, he was the Dubai pilot. And then there were two other planes and they wanted to get a bunch of uh, video and uh, stock pictures of these guys flying these extras and doing stunts. I was in your airplane. Yes. I won, an, I won, a, I won a, a, a photo award. Dude. Through, through, the, through the country for taking one of the photos of Zoltan over the Marina Mall. The, the most ridiculous thing ever that I've done, not just legally, but ever was in that Cessna caravan. Cause we were flying, uh, the white caravan you're in the back, taking pictures. I, f- I think it was Zoltan was on the pilot side, just knife edged. He's got the plane completely on its side, um, with smoke pouring out the back and we're 500 feet over Sheikh Zayed and all the high rises are above us. You could... And and he almost had at one point he almost had his cockpit in the jump door. Yes. <laughs> like I he was close enough at one point. I probably if I had a Red Bull, I could have handed it to him if he didn't have a canopy on there. It's ridiculous, right? Yeah. 
I mean, that's like when we were lucky enough to fly with uh, uh, Vince and Fred when they were doing the Jetman stuff, and we were flying both the the Otter and the Sherpa. And flying the Otter, uh, we had them just off of one wing, but in the Sherpa, they were so close to the back that you could have handed these guys a fucking Red Bull. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Insane. Yeah. I mean, I think you and I are of the same mind in that um, – I, I, I think the days of the crazy cool stuff like that in Dubai had come to an end, not just, well, for a bunch of reasons, but also because a lot of the stuff that we got to do business-wise just didn't make sense. Um, so they kind of turned it into what it is now, which is a business, um, yeah. which more power to them for sure. But um, again, having had all of those insane um things that we got to do when we were in Dubai now having to go to that same airspace, knowing we can't ever do that stuff again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely one for, for the record books. It's, it's a time that I'll never forget. Yeah, for sure. Well, speaking I mean, of the records, the- you set a couple of world's records out there, didn't you? Yep. At least one. I was, so I was part of the, the 40 way, or not 40 way, but the 40 people out of one hot air balloon. I was one of the base jumpers off of that. Uh, the world's largest flag flown in free fall. Dude, that and flag. The world's largest flag flown under canopy. That fucking flag. I remember the free fall one, which was, yeah. that one was funny because you guys are letting it go and, and it's landing in the water off next to the, uh, um, next to the uh, Dubai eye. But yeah, the flag under canopy. I remember you telling me you were going to do the record and thinking, oh, okay, he's going to fly a big flag. And then I remember showing up at the drop zone and seeing that thing laid out on the ground. <laughs> Fuck me, dude. How big was that? It was just shy of 5,000 square meters. Which for uh, Americans or people that don't know size, how it, big is it, that compared to something? Uh, compared to something, it would be a regulation football field laid vertically <laughs> that's insane yeah so just it's take a- the the size of a football field and turn it turn it into a flag shape hanging from somebody took a crazy amount of work too didn't it it was a lot of work it was a lot of work um it was a, a whenever you you hear people talk about like records and stuff like that and they say it's it really is like a team a team thing even if it's for one person there's a whole team that's behind it and I mean, it really was like I had in, in every helicopter ride we went up, it was full. I think there was nine of us in there plus the flag. Mm. Um, I had PK, um, you know, Patrick Kay was and Evgeny, one of the, the rigor who kind of the mad scientist that designed the bag. Mm. They were helping me get up onto the onto the skid and get out of the helicopter every time. Um, Pablo Hernandez, Maha uh, were were in there you know, shooting video and coming out afterwards along with um, two video guys, one, you know, that would stay in the aircraft. Mark Norman was in the aircraft shooting photos. And one of the guys from um, Dubai film was in there with the red camera shooting. And like, it was a, it was a fully loaded bell. Crazy, right? (laughs) Yeah. And then all the, all the, I mean, every jump was a, was a test jump. Yeah, yeah, for we sure. Could, we'd, we'd land, we'd have to fix things, we'd have to, do, you know, change different stuff up. But I mean, it was five jumps in total. Wow. 
I mean, there was really kind of nowhere else that could, that was willing to put out the time, effort, and money required to put projects like that together. I mean, how many projects were done there? Oh, fuck. World yeah, records, I, you I, know, I, outside of just skydiving, but just world records in general, different crazy stuff. I mean, the latest one was what the, the Red Bull um, cub that landed on top of the the heliport for the, the heliport the heliport uh, heliport yeah and then the red bull guy that base jumped out uh did the wake skate uh out of yeah, the swimming wake, pool off the top yeah. of the high rise and then landed on the beach yeah i mean it 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 got to be there there were so many different events and so many different special things that happened that you kind of lost count i think the last really cool thing that i did was um was fly uh, Tom Cruise and the Mission Impossible guys for that last, uh, the one where they skydived over Paris, which wasn't Paris. It was the Dubai desert campus. And that was pretty fucking cool. Cause I mean, like him or don't like him still Tom Cruise. It was, it was an experience. And I got to meet even better the, the guy that um, the, uh, the game show host from slumdog millionaire was there. I don't even know his name, but he was even cooler. (laughs) Well, dude, I mean, they put my wife in an Emirates outfit on top of the Burj Khalifa, not not once or twice, but three times, and then flew an airplane behind her with her face on it. Yeah, which yeah. wound up being like the a, a, a like ridiculous record setting like interaction for for Emirates Airlines. They'd never had any of their advertisements go that over the top. For sure, it was I mean- insane. It was they they did a lot. Well, I I I I give credit to uh, the leadership there for um, allowing people to go come up with these crazy ideas. But let's face it, the expertise in the sport came from all around the world. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, Dubai became what it became because they were able to bring the best of the best, like Noah and all the rock stars that were the first team to go out there uh, to kind of pave the way and teach them what was possible. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. It was, it was a great time to be in Dubai. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Uh, uh, how much do you miss Bali? Ugh. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> I was Dude. having this conversation with somebody uh, about a week and a half ago about how amazing our times were in Bali. Naomi Nomers and and her boyfriend were uh, actually here in Helsinki uh, just a couple of weeks back. And I got to spend a very brief amount of time with her because she ended up getting sick. But uh, um, she had asked me if we still had the places in in Bali because, of course, we were lucky enough to have a couple of Airbnbs that we owned in Bali for a couple of years till COVID took it. But, oh, man, we had some really fun times some some crazy gilly tea times some proper over the top fun shit <laughs> mr dean <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll go into detail on a future podcast for that <laughs> so you're you're back in the states um still working way too fucking hard i mean you've been i i don't get to catch up with you at all because you're always so goddamn busy yeah, it's been it's been crazy. Um, the new job is awesome. Uh, I get to do some really cool shit that I wouldn't normally be able to do any in any other sector in skydiving. It's kind mm. of renewed my my passion for the sport, and 
uh, for the industry. So it's, it's cool. I mean, I'm loving what I do. I definitely need a vacation. <laughs> sure. Well, I, I know you can't go into too much detail because you're, uh, you're working, uh, doing military contracting and stuff, but give me a ballpark idea of some of the shit that you're able to do. Um, I can't go into the, into the clients, but I can go into kind of what I do. Um, it's essentially what we do is, is military freefall. So we work with, um, different units, um, you know, U S and, and foreign NATO ally units. And we essentially either liaison for them or we're actually running courses and we teach them anything from uh, basic military freefall, um, anywhere up to advanced canopy, um, flight, uh, high altitude training. Uh, we do stuff with O2, uh, military tandem tethered bundle, which for people that don't know what that is, it's essentially doing a tandem with, you know, a barrel below you that's, you know, four to five foot high and about 36 inches diameter, anywhere from 350 to 450 pounds. And it can go more than that, but pretty much jump out of an airplane holding on to this thing. You push it out. It's not, it's attached to you with a tether and you essentially you're doing a, a tandem, but you've got this massive barrel hanging below you. Open up the parachute, fly it down to the ground and land with it really? on that tether. So it, it touches and then it violently spins you around 180 degrees and you hit the ground. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like exactly what I wanted to it's a lot softer than it sounds. It's a lot softer than it sounds. So but you're not right. So you're not uh, um, you're not getting close to the ground and and lowering it like a um, a, a rucksack for the the paratrooper guys. You so you've got you've got normal jumps like that, but then you've got these bundles, which there's plenty of videos of them of them out there. Um, but everybody wants to Google it or YouTube it or whatever else. But sure. essentially, you you're strapped to you know, 450 pound round barrel that's on rollers and you push it out the back of an airplane, you let go of it. Um, you, we typically have somebody inside the aircraft that'll, that'll hold on to your drogue. So they drogue set for you. So they're so PCA you with the drogue. You're pretty much sent, you're pretty much hanging dangling in between your drogue and 450 pound <laughs> barrel and, you know, 350 pound, whatever right. it happens to be. I mean, we do it in a schoolhouse setting. So everything is, I mean, there's so many safety protocols in place, but sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. And then Mass- once you, once you open up under canopy, it still, it stays attached to you. It's not going anywhere. Sure. So it's like doing a tandem with a different set of emergency procedures based on, on what's going to happen. Sure. Now w- massive canopy, I would imagine. Yep. Yeah, it's a big canopy. It's uh, depending upon where and what. It's anywhere from four hundred sixty to five hundred square foot. Wow, five hundred, so five hundred uh, ZP. It's yeah. I mean, it'll be um, ZP. Some of them are hybrids. Just depends. Wow. Wow. So, so they get to they have a whole uh, R and D team out here that that for the company that I work for that goes through and tests the minimums and the maximums on everything. Now, is this a, a you think this is a long-term thing for you or, or you don't know? 
Um, I think so. I mean, I'm a year and eight months in, a year and seven months in to it. And I just, I enjoy it. I enjoy the shit out of it. It's a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if I could go back to just dealing with civilians. <laughs> yeah, no, I can I mean, understand. With soldiers, I mean, this is, like I tell them, this is 1% of what they're going to do in their career. This is just a means of transportation to get them from point A to point B to do what they're actually their actual job is. Sure. And I mean, you these guys come out, you tell them, hey, go out and do this. Yes, sir. And they go and they do it. It's not like, oh, but I'm cold and it's this and it's that. And, uh, and yeah. it's not people just throwing money at it. Like this is their job. They take it seriously. Yep. And I've and I've made some some great connections through it. Like I've got, you know, some badass motherfuckers that are my friends now. That's a good <laughs> thing, man. These, you work with these guys for, you know, a month straight. And then, you know, if they come back for another course or something different, like there's a couple of guys that that I that I've seen that are that are, I mean, they've been back for three different courses so far. And every time they, they come up, you know, here's some you know, these badass heavy hitters and first thing they do, they run up, they can be a giant hug and yeah. high five and, oh man, it's so good to see you. How have you been? What have you been up to? I like of it. Of course, I, you know, I, I get to ask them the same question and I get some, some cool fun. I'd fun imagine, answers. I'd imagine you get a few stories here and there. It's fun. So is like there, said, it's, it's something new. It's something new for me, which is what's nice. Sure. Now, is there still a fun jumping life? Uh, a little bit here and there, but not not nearly what it used to be. Sure. Um, this year, I've kind of told myself I'm going to fun jump more. I'm going to get back. I'd, I'd like to start competing again. I don't know if my body can handle it, but I'd like to start at least freestyle. Nice. I'd like to do at least at least some some freestyle canopy stuff and get back into competition. But it's it's trying to find the time off. We kind of run course course to course to course. Well, I mean, but it's, even this, I mean. It's a year-round drop zone you're at. Yeah, we're year-round for sure. I mean, we have, you know, a few different facilities that we work at. We do stuff internationally as well. I, I've been to, I got the the ability to go overseas. I got to go to Australia and New Zealand and do some stuff over there. And it's cool. I finally got to go go to uh, see Gyro. Nice. I saw Chris Stewart and and those guys and got to check out the facility. I'm like, I've only been sponsored by you guys for <laughs> God, I don't even know how long. And I'm like, finally made it to the headquarters. <laughs> Gotta love it. Gotta love it. What you can have to find a way to to get a work trip uh, out to my neck of the woods. I mean, hey, I'm in a NATO country right now. Coming, it may be coming sooner than you think. I'm in a NATO country. <laughs> <laughs> and a, and a quick plug for a, for the wind tunnel. I have jack shit to do with, but there's an aerodrome, a wind tunnel here, about an hour outside of Helsinki, actually where I went to see uh, Nomers, uh, that uh, is like the cheapest anywhere. It's like 350 euro an hour. And I get there and I ask her, I'm all, how come it's so cheap? And she's like, they don't put instructors in the tunnel for anybody. There's no... <laughs> There's there's no first timers. I'm also this isn't like the the association affiliated. And she's like, no, they literally awesome. there's no first timers at all. It's all experienced flyers and they just turn the fucking wind on. That's awesome. <laughs> Dude, it's amazing. 
<laughs> it's wonderful. I, it's just like the Dubai tunnel all over again. Kind of, kind of. Well, <laughs> at least in the Dubai they tunnel, were, you, there. They, they'd watch out for us. I mean, uh, actually, it was kind of funny because I was joking around with gnomers. I'm like, I, actually, I would prefer a tunnel like this where I'm going in with a coach that's going to give me enough wind to fuck it up. And and in Dubai, um, towards the back half of it, they wouldn't. You know, rarely would you find an instructor that'd give you enough wind to learn. You know, and so uh, yeah, I'm like scared. Yeah, and and rightfully so. You never know who you're putting in your tunnel, and you might bend the wrong person. But uh, um, you know, I I I couldn't learn on super slow wind. I'd always just get worse and worse with my form. You know, trying to fly on my head. I I, you know, at eighty seven, eighty eight kg, I needed a little bit more oomph to get off the fucking net. Right. You know, just a little. Just a little. Yeah. Well, so any big plans coming up or it's just uh, uh, keep it cranking? Just keep it cranking right now. Um, I mean, not a whole lot going on. Moved, uh, got to move my mom in with Nicole and I. So we got to, you know, taking care of, taking care of mom on the backside. And sure. we're still, still traveling and, and having fun and. We fun jump when we can. I go. I make my way out to Skydive Arizona on the weekends to throw some some droves here and there, just stay current. Nice. Do some fun jumps with the with the wifey, and we'll see what happens. Oh shit, man! What, what no, can you ask? No huge, no huge plans coming up. Just you know, moving forward and learning as much as I can from on the military side of the house, and just kind of enjoying. Sure. I don't want to say being new. But taking my my the skills that I've learned in the, in the civilian world and and applying them to a different sure well I mean know. it is new right it's a fresh approach it's it's a nice oh, new 100%. angle for you and it's nice to have a, a bit of a rebirth like that I mean that's the, been the last year for me has been a bit of a rebirth outside the cockpit and and uh, uh, remembering how much more there is outside of just going up and down real fast and then getting off the drop zone you know so it's do you miss flying no no. You know, I mean, occasionally I went out, actually, uh, um, I was with uh, Omar Al-Hijalan and, and the crew uh, at uh, um, the Kenya Boogie. Uh, and oh, I went out yeah. there specifically to uh, um, help kind of uh, get their their pilot a little bit more in tune to flying jumpers. And he's a super heads up pilot, um, a bush pilot in Africa. The guy fucking knows how to fly a plane. And does some really cool shit, but he'd never really flown jumpers before. And so... The first time I showed him a proper caravan descent for skydiving, <laughs> I'm like, dude, just this is by the numbers. This is by the Cessna book. You do it my way once and you're never going to want to descend a different way. And he lands from that first one and he's like, that was that was cool. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun i really enjoyed being able to go out there and and uh get back in the seat but it was nice shedding that responsibility and i mean you'll know we've had an incredible amount of responsibility on our shoulders as instructors and and me as a pilot our entire career and it's kind of nice to wake up realizing that legitimately the only person i might get killed today is me <laughs> right no student, no tandem student, no AFF student, no plane full of, uh, um, you know, jumpers in the back. It's just 
am I going to go slip and fall on the fucking ice? You know, and it's it's uh, it's nice waking up with a, um, a different level of responsibility than I've had all these years. And it's funny because I still feel like I'm deep, deep in the sport because I do the podcast every week and I'm talking to so many jumpers all of the time and I'm still doing writing in the sport and all that stuff. So I, I don't feel like I'm out of skydiving at all. And um, being out of the cockpit is just the aches and pains are starting to fade, <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, the aches and pains may come back with your new hobby. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're definitely back. Cross-country skiing is fucking hard. And, and wait a second. Just to kind of throw this out, I was thinking about this the other day as I was talking about Bali with somebody. You went from, I'm going to retire to Bali hmm. to retiring to one of the coldest it's so dude i can't get enough of the snow the all the fit because my wife's a swedish speaking finn um and all the finnish people think i'm fucking crazy because it's been uh, it fahrenheit the coldest it's gotten is like 17 below and i still have my window cracked like the, I take the dog out for the last pee of the night when it's, you know, 10 or 11 below in shorts and Crocs. Because I love Terrible. it. Oh, dude, like right now I had to actually come preheat my studio because just outside the studio, there's a blizzard going on. I've got like four feet of snow against the wall of my studio right now. <laughs> it's fantastic. That's but, awesome. Yeah, the, the, the cross-country skiing's kicking my ass. The cold dipping is helping get rid of all the aches and pains. But uh, it's funny because all of my skydiving injuries, the neck, the shoulder, all that stuff, whew, it's haunting for sure. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure. I can only imagine. Oh, man. I've Does said the, it, uh, the desert dog like the snow? I can't get her out of the snow. It's ridiculous. She like right now the snow is so deep that if she goes off the trail, she's bottoming out. Like her, she just, yeah, she just disappears in the snow, and she'll go in in the deepest snow she can get and just roll around. And I, we, we drag her out with icicles on her. Yeah, she loves it. So I, we we got to get you out here so you can experience it yourself. We'll uh, we'll take I'm the night to. train up to uh, Lapland and go see the Northern Lights and and uh, talk some more shit. It sounds amazing, brother. It is always amazing catching up to you. We do not fucking do it nearly enough. I have, I know, I haven't, I ha I haven't seen you face to face in what two years almost, and we haven't had a long conversation yeah. in probably a year. So we got to do this more often. 100%. I miss you, brother. Absolutely. Good catching up there. Love you, brother. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by, well, wait, not as always, actually. Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as NZ Aerosports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the Extreme Sports Collective. Head over to pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems, check out SummitParachuteSystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs, rigging courses, and more. By Flyaway Indoor Skydiving, go to FlyawayTN.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. By Pure Spectrum CBD, head to PureSpectrumCBD.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. 
And as for us, head to the lunaticfringepodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available, hit the link for our YouTube channel, pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.